0: Welcome to Lead Sacks at Nova School of Business and Economics, the podcast where every week we go over the major trends that are impacting change and transformation in our world. Welcome to another episode of Lead Sacks. This week we are talking about some trends and we are talking about the big tech companies. Are they too big for society's good? Should they be broke apart? What's going on here? And um, we have a very special guest uh, from Vienna. Uh, Lucas Hoffman uh, is a German entrepreneur, analyst and founder of the business and tech newsletter Risky Breakfast, he invests in digital business models and has been sparing partner to more than 100 companies. Lucas frequently shares his knowledge in marketing and strategy and teaches social media marketing at the University of Applied Sciences in Vienna. And Lucas. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for our time. And uh, co-hosting the podcast is uh, our student co-host Luca. Luca, go for it.
1: Nice to meet you. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, as David already introduced today, we're going to talk about the big tech companies and if they're too big for society's good. And just to start, Lucas, um, I just regarding your CV, it's really impressive. Um, now you're running your third digital project and um, what is what keeps you evolving um, what is your main motivation to change and uh, what are your secrets to keep up with the fast change in, today, uh, in today's technology.
2: Well, first of all, thanks for having me on this podcast um, very happy to be here. Well, I've been an entrepreneur in the um, internet space for about eight years now, and I started my first company right after I finished school. I have to say I wasn't a good student, um, but I've been always interested in technology, what's going on in the internet, social media. That was, at that time, 2012, super hot topic at school. And yeah, I was always interested in the web and the internet space. And um, the biggest motivation I, I I think it sounds cheesy, but it's really to do something meaningful meaningful. and I figured out for me, that means um, learning a lot and sharing what I've learned in that process. I started um, building websites and eventually um, turned marketer and helped companies over the past years and I've been very lucky to work with very interesting companies and founders together, um, helping them with their marketing and um, business strategy efforts. And um, all of this experience um, led me to what I do today. I'm investing, I'm writing, I'm talking about technology, strategy, trends, um, digital business models, and I write a weekly um, tech and business newsletter, um, which slowly turns into a business adventure itself. And um, yeah, I think the the secret of staying up to date is um, first of all, talking to people. I think that always helped me to grow personally, um, to grow relationships um, that are today more meaningful than everything else in my career. And um, second for me and what worked very well for me during the last years is, is reading. And um, I think it's very well underestimated. I mean, I also listen to podcasts. I sometimes lose myself on YouTube as well and uh, end up in binge streaming um, videos and watching um Lot of documentaries, but I think the main key is reading, reading, reading and um, I read a lot every day I I think when I if I would put it into the hours I would read about between four and six hours every day spread during the day. What you read. Um, oh, I read I, I basically so. I call it, uh, I call it, I I think what's very important if you read a lot online is to have a very, very good browser tab management. I think uh, you should study this at university. I usually wake up and I open all the blogs and magazines. I read uh, ranges from Wall Street Journal to TechCrunch to individual bloggers as well, like Ben Evans. I read uh, the Stratechery from Ben Thompson. So I have about like, I don't know, like, 70, 80 tabs open, no joke, Um, the whole tab line is full of tabs, and then I go through each individual tab. Sometimes I know this blog publishes something daily, sometimes I know that this magazine publishes something just weekly, and this is kind of like the, yeah, this is kind of like how I start the day, and I do that two, three times a day because I have like a different time zone than those guys in the US, I'm in Europe. So, um, yeah, I read during the day constantly, um, and I go through those tabs on a a regular basis. And this helps me to stay up to date and keep an overview of what's going on. And, um, And then obviously, and this is also something I can advise everyone who wants to learn something new about something, um, writing about the things that interest me um, is uh, very important as well to understand things on a more in depth level. Um, so this is what I do with risky breakfast I pick out the most interesting um, developments in the tech uh, in the tech space and I write about them and at my opinion and try to um, try to analyze things on a more deeper level. And this helps me to understand um, to understand things um, much, much better than just reading about them. But this is, this, is basically, this is basically what I do, like scanning, reading, and then figuring out what's important and what's not.
0: Yeah, it's definitely like something that has helped me a lot as well is uh, the teaching and, um, and writing, because it makes you really understand the topic. If you can't explain it simply, it's probably that you're not understanding it well enough. Right. What are exactly. you writing about right now? We are um, we are at the sta- we are at a very unique stage of uh, society. Um, right. We are going now. It's October twenty twenty when we are recording the podcast. Um, the elections are about to come. We are seeing a second wave of COVID with a lot of people just basically bored out of their minds with the topic and starting to question if this is uh, actually there's the need to do so much. Others keep. Um, others going into panic again. What do you think are the current big trends and um, that we are seeing now?
2: Well, the the funny thing is, um, when this whole coronavirus thing started, um, I've been in Vienna when it came to the first lockdown, and uh, the mood around here was a little bit like that the world comes not only to an end, but the world stops developing. Like everything turns around that coronavirus, everything is about the pandemic. But what actually happens is that the world continues spinning and as the world continues spinning technology companies um, continue evolving and continue to develop things um, that are meaningful to not only me but to broader society and there was never like a point where i was like okay things uh, things will maybe slow down or things will maybe stop i mean the coronavirus in general um is um, accelerated um, many things that already were in place, but maybe we didn't thought about it as much. I mean, we could drop some buzzwords now like um, AI. I mean, we have topics uh, still on the table like autonomous driving, um, which develops hand in hand with the current development of 5G networks. I mean, we saw how Apple presented the iPhone 12 last week with the integration of um, 5G. Digital health is obviously a very, very big topic that has been accelerated by the pandemic. It's something I follow very, very closely. What's happening in this digital health um, space with companies like um, Teladoc, um, that have been actually before the pandemic happened, has already been big players in the in the health sector. But um, the coronavirus um, just brought that, brought the need for everyone out there to, um, yeah, to have like a. Uh, a a doctor and um, advice from like a medical at the fingertip of your smartphone. And it's something that has been accelerated a lot by the pandemic. Another trend I follow very closely, which is also accelerated by the pandemic is a shift from cash to mobile payments. Um, We see how people are actually more aware of how they pay things, um, not exchanging anymore as much money as it was before. So there are many, many areas that I could address, but I think we would need like a, a podcast episode for each one of those topics. But um, yeah, what happened is that the same trends that existed before Corona are still in place, but some of them has been accelerated, and um, some of them um, maybe just took a change. I mean, when we look at what trend by definition means, and when you ask me what are some future trends, I mean. A trend means there's a, it is a general direction in which something is developing or changing. So we have development or change. And in, in some areas, we are just at the beginning of change and we are figuring out how things work. And in other areas, we already developed an understanding how certain technology can enhance our life, our business, and in many of those areas we see as a reaction, not as a result. And this is also very important, um, maybe to mention because I often hear yeah and um, digital health is like a result of Corona virus and it's just happening because coronavirus and the pandemic is around, but it's actually just a reaction um to the pandemic um and this acceleration and the development and the adoption of people to new services is a is a reaction to an environment we 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 never have been in before and technology can help it's us a
0: catalyst to...
2: right exactly. it's, a catalyst it's a catalyst
0: at the end between um right. people had for the first time they had time and right. they had the need to try all these new services and right. um and they are definitely going um Going to have like a larger adoption. It's right. Yet to see how much of the adoption will remain after we go over and we go back a little bit to a more uh, a society that is more open. But you're mentioning like a sector that I think it's one of the most attractive sectors, which is health. One of the the companies that we are watching that is making like um a strong leeway into it is uh Amazon. And you are seeing Amazon doing it with um uh, Berkshire Hathaway and with um, uh, J.P. Morgan, um, and once again, like we are seeing, like all the the sectors are being um, addressed by these large companies. Uh, and right. if we look at it, we have Amazon, we have Apple, we have Google, we have Facebook that are going into creating ecosystems that go into all these um, these large areas. Do you think these companies are getting too large uh, for society's sake? They, um, what is, what's your take on it? And especially now that there's so much money available, they're getting such high valuations that can, they can finance themselves so cheaply. What's your take on, on the role of these companies in society and um, how would you, you address it?
2: Well, I always think it's like... A... It's a two-sided coin. In Germany, we have the saying um, "Not everything that shines is gold." And I think when we when we look at big tech companies, we always need to see. Um, <clears throat> I think the, I think the main point in when we okay. Let me let me let me start that new. I maybe you just note the minute. Um, I really think that when we look at those tech companies, um, it's like a two-sided coin in Germany, we have the saying, not everything that uh, shines is gold. Um, When we stay in this digital health sector, for example, um, and we look what those companies um, enable us to do, we need, first of all, to understand how are they actually doing what they are doing to enhance our life. And um, to the bottom of this question um, lays data right, um, we are talking about data gathering, data mining, can call it however you want, but um, new devices, like for example, the Apple Watch that just came out. Maybe you followed as well, the launch of the yeah. Apple Watch. And um, we have the possibility now of tracking the blood oxygen level, what wasn't um, available before. Those tech companies have um, the big obstacle to overcome to create devices that are able to gather new, a new set of data that hasn't been able before being gathered. And at the end of the day, it's always the same cycle. Technology companies need to figure out how to track certain things, gather new sets of data. And second, this data needs to be put to work and create value. So data needs to be translated into services, values, tools, apps we can use that enhance our life. This is like from the data point of view. And now we can argue, For what is this data actually being used? Is this data actually being used to deliver a service that enhances our life? Is this data being used to deliver a service that enhances our life and creates a profit for the company? Or is the data simply being used in not really enhancing our life, but creating more value for the company itself than for its stakeholders or customers? And when we look at technology companies, and we have Apple, we have Amazon, um, we have a Google, we have a Facebook, then we need to ask ourselves, like, first of all, how much of this, I mean, as important as a technology is, how high is actually the acceptance, acceptancy of us as customers in giving away our data and how actually, and how fast do these tools and services Um, not only gain uh, gain traction in our society, but also how does our needs and wishes and fears ultimately change us while using those different technology products. When we look at the Apple Watch, um, we didn't really have the fear that our blood oxygen level at any point of view would be too low or too high. I mean, a question to you, did you ever thought about before the Apple Watch came out that you would need to have that you need to track your blood oxygen level. Did you ever thought about that? I mean, I, I wasn't thinking about that two years ago. I wasn't, I wasn't being yeah. like, oh, oh shit, I don't have a watch on my wrist that, that, that doesn't track my blood oxygen level. So we are actually always going from stage to stage to stage where we have, like, where we are confronted with new sets of data here, new sets of data there. And we as human beings, as consumers, as users, we need to ask ourselves how much... Do I really, or how, how important is this new set of data
0: for me? Or but is it's general population, that, but do you think general population is actually aware enough of the relevance of data? And how do we get, how do we get the people aware of that? Does that right. actually, do you think that's actually going to happen once we are a little bit more um, realistic? Because even like a lot of educated people and CEOs and executives of uh, large companies, they still have not understood, they talk about data, but without realizing exactly what it is, how it works, what they can leverage it for. So talking about the majority of population understanding about the big impacts, even like if you look at, was it at uh, the Congress auditions in, in the US, the questions were just like dumb, to be honest to Mark Zuckerberg at the time. So how do we get along? How do we actually go and, and develop that knowledge and develop that uh, people's action?
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, the, the the thing is that the when you look at the technology companies and how technology companies, and we are talking about today about the, the big um, technology companies, um, they created, and this is very important to understand, they created in each one of them. Created an ecosystem of products, services, tools, apps that is structured in a way that it's nearly impossible for us as end consumers um, to look, to have a look behind the scenes and figure out what's going on with our data and how this data is exchanged between all of those services and apps and tools and whatsoever in this uh, in this particular ecosystem. So when you look at the, at the antitrust hearings, um, which you, which you refer to, um, you, could, you, could, you could basically see that um, each one of the lawmakers sitting there and asking um, Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg, they all had like one particular topic that is quite easy to understand. We can ask the question about, hey, um, Amazon, are you um, using the data from your marketplace to understand what kind of products um, sell best, and then just copy those products on your own and uh, ship them on your own? And this is uh, harmful to your competition. We all understand what's going on there. Um, Where it stops, I think. Um, is to understand how the information about our shopping behavior influences in how Alexa answers our questions and uh, ultimately how um, Amazon is probably in the future, um, yeah, I don't know, um, uh, suggesting us uh, to buy certain products at a certain time. Uh, As you mentioned already, health is a big topic. They uh, also obviously want to step in because it's like a huge growth market. Um, how, how will this data being used in in optimizing our yeah and optimizing the 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 baskets uh, on that side when you look at the health uh, market? So the, the big question is like, do we understand just parts of what those companies provide in 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 terms of single services, or do we understand how they operate as an ecosystem? That's always the biggest problem when I study uh, when I teach sorry when I teach social media marketing at at the university, everyone comes to me and says, how does Facebook as a platform operate? And I always say, we we shouldn't regard Facebook as a platform, Facebook as an ecosystem of services and different apps and different tools and different functions. And uh, I think we should stop regarding Amazon as a marketplace. We should see Amazon as an ecosystem of integrated services and we need to understand how data is being
0: exchanged in between those different services within the ecosystem and this is I
1: agree
0: I agree but how do you get society to understand it that's uh that's like a key question I have it's like what should we do because I think one thing is clearly education and uh education of politicians for instance because they need to understand a little bit more of what's going on but what's your take the first of all what would you do with these companies what do you, you think it's the way forward? We just saw like, uh, watch the social dilemma that everyone is a little bit in panic, but um, there's nothing really new about the documentary, but it's raising awareness for um, a group of things that were already happening. And a lot of us were aware already. What's the, what do you think it's a solution forward?
2: Well, for us as society to understand, I mean, there's a i think it's a good example when 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 i grew up and um maybe question to you as well i mean um could your dad explain you um or let's say when i when i grew up um i at some point um instagram uh instagram became more important and everyone was using it and i started using instagram and um i didn't have anyone um that actually told me or educated me on um, what's good for me in terms of using it, what's bad for me, what I should be taken care of. So we right now have on this planet um, generations of users and we are looking at two, three generations that had no one available telling them how those different platforms and i'm not only talking about social media but i'm talking about marketplaces i'm talking about netflix i'm talking about streaming services and that matter of fact but we had no one telling and educating us on how to use those things and when you look right now at parents like that bring up their children in um, some of our friends have have kids now some of them are already eight nine ten years old and um, you can see there's two different approaches. One approach is in the morning, uh, the, the child only eats breakfast when you place an iPad in front of him or her and turn on Netflix, and it works great for the parents. I understand they want to have some quiet time as well. But this is the approach: here's the iPad, watch Netflix, that's it. And then you have some another approach you can see, and it's when parents sit down with the child and explain the child, look, this is an iPad. Um, You can watch and stream movies on it, but you can also use it for other things. It's basically a tool you can use. It's not something that uses you and your time, but you actively can use this tool to learn something new. You can use it to watch a movie. You can use it to stay in touch with your friends, but this device can do so many good things for you. But on the, on the, on the flip side, it can also harm you in, um, in a way that uh, only you, and this comes back to your question, only you as an individual can regulate. Because we can talk about in this podcast now what would happen if we would, um, if we would um, break uh, these company into pieces and they are so bad and they use our data. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm asking you, we all know what's going on um if you know that um apple charges app developers in the app store 30 percent a 30 percent fee of what they sell there do you think that's fair hmm, probably not really do you think it's fair that uh, amazon um, maybe um yeah uh, pushes its own products i mean this is just like a it's just like an example but do you think it's fair that amazon pushes its own products maybe before um or ahead of um third-party sellers no you also don't think that's maybe fair but we still continue using those services because yeah but play. i
0: think i i so do i think i think you have a couple of questions there i used mm. to work at sony music and at the time it's like um Sony Music um, or the, um, the, the music labels, they hated MTV because MTV took control. took control right. And right. then uh, and you had to produce music videos that they wouldn't pay for. And that would be their content. And they would decide who would sell uh, music and who would not. And when Apple came along and um, I was at Sony Music and uh, they literally just ignored iTunes. And that, Apple started taking 30% share and they're like, whatever, we don't care. It's like our businesses are, are the CDs. And right. then basically companies like EMI went bankrupt. Right. So if you ask me if, if it's fair, well, at the time, honestly, the music industry was just being arrogant. And they were like short-sighted. Right. So, right. yeah, pretty much if the music label started uh, bank, uh, going to bankruptcy because they didn't see change and they didn't want to compromise their, their profits in order to invest in uh, innovation, yeah, I think it's fair. Um, right now, the situation changed a little bit uh, in the sense that at the, at the time, a lot of companies could come into the space. A lot of companies right. didn't come into the space. The same thing with Amazon. The same thing um, with Facebook right now is are these companies too powerful for other companies to challenge them or they've just became like monopolies that um, competition is very hard. So I think it's um, it's not a direct answer because on one hand, you want to promote uh, competitiveness and you want to promote innovation on the other And you want you don't want all the other companies to go bankrupt and just have like four or five institutions basically controlling the whole of society with further implications in society like you have with Facebook, for instance, when you're talking about interference in um, the U.S. election. So that's, that's a little that's bit... But, but that's not something
2: technology companies invented or created. I mean, what we are talking about is market power, influence, anti-competitive behavior—that's nothing new. It has been part no. of it has been part of American economics ever since, and um, we see that. In but other you're having the even. first
0: global. I would say you're having the first true global uh, companies right now. I don't right. think in, we've in terms seen of Amazon even. Or Google, yeah, I don't think you've ever had, even if you look at a company like Walmart, which is like uh, one of the, the gi- was one of the giants and still is, and now it's becoming more competitive again, but its presence is limited to the US, a couple of countries in Latin America, and I think the UK, not more than that. Right now, you're, you're having like truly global companies. Uh, that uh, but
2: at Walmart, Walmart, Walmart owns uh, the very large uh, share in Flipkart, which is one of the biggest. Uh, what is one of the biggest um, online retailers in in India? So yeah. what happens? What what happens? What happens right now is that those companies. Those more with a more traditional approach and that have been around longer and that are having we could argue more traditional business models. That's um, totally right. They the 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 way on how they can grow their market share is actually opening up um, countries where those other platforms um, maybe had no focus on or was where the entry was um, too difficult at that time. Um, so yeah, this is, this is, that's for sure. I mean, I mean, we see that, we see that right now. I mean, it just happened this morning, right? Um, we, we all followed, I think, the antitrust hearings in the US this year, um, very special event, right? I mean, it was the first time, was actually the first time, I didn't, I didn't know that it was the first time, but it was the first time that the CEOs of Amazon, Google, Facebook, and Apple um, appeared in an antitrust hearing together. And um, I mean, the antitrust hearings are a super important tool for transparency and accountability. Um, but but the thing is, I mean, even if we even if we see that market power, influence, anti-competitive behavior is nothing new that technology invented, one thing changed, and I think it's the playing field and the understanding how technology companies might I don't know let's say bend the rules. As I already said, like most of these companies created super complex ecosystems. Um, different devices, services, apps, platforms, I mean, you have no chance to dig through that. I mean, you need to dig very deep and untangle the structure, Um, but also then you need to connect the dots and understand how data might be used across all those services. And um, yeah, here comes the antitrust hearings into the play. I mean, the, the first thing, I mean, I think this is very important as well for all the listeners. We need to understand Um, the role of these antitrust hearings, because they are basically what you ask me, they ask themselves the questions, are those tech companies too big? And an antitrust hearing is actually not a trial with a verdict mean, nobody leaves there uh, with handcuffs and immediate immediate penalty. They are more or less for the lawmakers in the US to understand, and uh, this is very important, to understand the practice of those tech companies and then gather evidence in whether or whether or not they become too powerful so actually what you ask me this is what they ask themselves in those uh, in those hearings and this can uh, lead to further action and this is a good timing for the podcast because this morning the uh, department of justice took action and they filed an antitrust lawsuit against google and uh, I don't want to dig, dig too deep into the topic. That would be a podcast also by itself, but you can find super research on Wall Street Journal. But this lawsuit is basically about Google's power as a gatekeeper to the internet on a, on, a, on, a, on a global scale and perspective. What you said, right? we see truly global internet companies. And when we see truly global internet companies, they have a high chance of becoming global gatekeepers which means they actually decide who of our competition we uh, we let in who we wouldn't and um, this by the department of justice is by far the most aggressive move now against a tech company and um, and i have i have like two 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 set, one set of data i want to share with you i mean you need to imagine this i, I read this this morning in wall street journal more than 70%, it's nearly 80% of all search queries in the US alone come through Google, which means you have like 80% of all search volume coming through this single individual search engine. And I don't know what's going on in your smartphone, but if you have an Android, Google is preset up, obviously as a search engine on hundreds of millions of phones and it can't be deleted. I mean, it can't be deleted. It's on the phone. You have to use it. If you don't want to use it, you need to somehow find like a trick around it and um, wind yourself around this place.
0: It's on iOS as well.
2: It's on iOS as well. But but how yeah. how on how on earth should a competitor enter search with li- this level of gatekeeping market power? You know, and this is just the search engine itself. Um, when we're talking about from from user perspective. If we talk about it from business perspective, we can also talk about um, search ads and pricing models of them and what kind of ads uh, are preferred by the search engine, what kind of ads aren't, stuff like that. But I think we all got the idea, right? And when you ask me about
0: um, my opinion about it, I think... When you talk about we all got the idea, do you think most people got the idea? Because I wouldn't say that the people on this podcast are actually... Uh, the, the norm, I think like the level of understanding about these subjects, which is also part of our job is, is pretty high compared to, to most people.
2: Right. I mean, the, 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 the thing is that all of these platforms, I think we can all agree on did a very good job in not explaining us um, how they actually operate. They are perfect in explaining us what the benefits mean to us as users but they do not really explain us um, how the system behind all of those services are used and how the operations behind it actually works. And um, I think that now, with the with the fear of um, sharing data, which is also led by by the media, I mean, we I, th- I I'm not really sure if we would have like the if it would be such a big topic um, if media wouldn't have pushed. So hard as I did the last years, um, in in terms of hey, I think you should think about um, how your data is being uh, gathered, used, stored. I mean, we had the past month that was basically every week kind of a topic in my in my newsletter. Um, the TikTok deal it didn't get through, then they sort of go through, then it didn't, and all of that mess uh, actually. Um, because of, um, because of two, um, two countries, um, yeah, fighting for um, data storage uh, rules or call it however you want. But at the end of the day, and this is where it comes down, is like, where is our data being stored? And um, we live in a, we always talk about globalization. And um, we as individuals understand what that means.
0: It means was that TikTok, was TikTok, you think, because of, um, of where data is stored, or it's because of the competition and the threat that it's doing to certain American companies ah, as well, and a couple of other things that sure. as they are becoming like players in, the, and especially with the election uh, coming right. up, I think there can be a lot of other like theories and explanations coming out there. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like now, it gets interesting because if you dig deeper and you go behind the data
2: storage uh, discussion, you actually end up uh, realizing what kind of value a platform like TikTok, as well as uh, like financially speaking, creates uh, in a country um, like the US or Europe. And um, this is obviously like a big topic. Like, um, how should like like how should we regulate as uh, not only as countries but also as a society in a globalized world, how should these um, yeah now, I, now I, I I lost the I lost the thought. But the I, I think the I think the main part no, is worries. It here, if you
0: want yeah, to, to read, yeah. yeah,
2: I think I think when we I think the when when we if we dig deeper if we dig deeper behind the uh, if we, if we look behind the curtain of um, the data storage um, discussion, and uh, we dig deeper in other reasons um, that might lead to this to this conflict. Um, obviously, again, and this is what where it always comes down to. We talk about um, influence. You're totally right. The election is up. Um, we talk about not only the influence but also the financial perspective um, such a platform creates. I mean, um, if we have like a if. if if there would be in the future and i think this i mean this is always like a yes and no game here but um if there is like a, a us us version um of TikTok um in like a joint venture company structure it's not really really clear how they how they want to set it up at the end of the day but if there is such a structure i mean um, the, the 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 value creation also financially um, would 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 obviously lay more in the US, and I think these are all. I mean, there's many 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 reasons um, we could argue now about. But um, at the end of the day, we need to understand that we live in a globalized world, and uh, living in a globalized world means that you and me, we know that you can fly from Tulum to Vienna tomorrow. I mean, now <laughs> yep.
0: in the pandemic Brilliant. times,
2: it's a It's a bit, it's a bit difficult, probably. I mean, with uh, certain restrictions, but um, we can travel the world, and um, I can work wherever I want. Here, we Um, sit here. Talking about
1: the globalization and all the big companies, would there be another, um, yeah, approach on how to regulate them instead of just educating people? Uh, In the beginning, we talked about we could maybe um, dismantle them or torn them apart. What do you think this would be a another idea and what would be the outcome of doing such a thing
2: yeah first of all um first of all to finish to finish that thought we all live in a globalized world but our world in terms of tech is not as globalized as we actually think because um we have um we have countries on this planet that um operate in their very own uh, ecosystem and that ecosystem means that um, only certain platforms are allowed to use. If I'm gonna go to Moscow tomorrow, um, in Moscow, I can't use LinkedIn for example um, officially. Um, so we have countries that actually um, yeah, um, are developed in a way that we all need to understand that so we, we need to understand that there, that there are still borders just because we all use the internet to grow those companies on and the internet is the infrastructure for all of those companies, that doesn't mean that they all operate on a global scale or reachable from everywhere because every country has individual law, um, culture, stuff like that. So um, this is very important to understand. So when we, when we actually talk about uh, the planet as one and uh, technology companies, being accessible from anywhere on the planet—that's just not true. Um, and um, we uh, we 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 have borders um, we need to be aware of, and um, and this is where it starts. I think dismantling technology companies, breaking them up, is a very <laughs> yeah aggressive approach. Um, we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't forget that. Uh, In terms of, for example, social media platforms, I said in the beginning as well, if you look at Facebook or Instagram, I mean we don't we do not only use them to exchange posts with our friends. Or in many cases, strangers, we use them for many different things, learn new things, buy stuff, get the information we need to make the right or the wrong decisions. Um, Their role and the role of technology companies evolved from sometimes just a tool we use. This case, social media to stay in touch with each other to an ecosystem of services and tools that help us in our daily life. So um, I believe if you look at if you look at at, at Amazon, if you look at um, Apple, if you look at Google, um, I think what needs to happen, and this is what is happening right now. I mean, today marks a very big day. I mean, we should all note this day today because we have first time um such an aggressive uh such an aggressive action from the department of justice i really think that um the lawmakers need to have a closer look on what the technology companies are are doing Um, those hearings are not enough we need like after those hearings.
0: but isn't that in your opinion a little bit back to what we saw together with um with for instance like microsoft in european union the, yeah. the antitrust in the European Union. Right, right.
2: I mean, the, the, the thing is, and, and, and this is also very important, um, because it sends like I, I always think that those cases um, not only send the signal to politics um, and send the signals to um, government, uh, but also it sends a signal to the society itself. And as I said from the beginning, um, I think that lawmakers can set up uh, certain regulations in within those um, technology companies um, can operate in a way that they don't, um, that they can't use this anti-competitive behavior um, to increase their own market share um, in just an unfair, on on an unfair advantage. But what was also important is um, that, the society itself should 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 recognize those signals the the lawmakers send with the laws they are being they are they are setting up and there will be more laws in the future I mean we can be for sure because companies like Amazon you said it yourself they are growing in more and more and more um, verticals they are opening up more and more different markets and at the end of the day they will play. Um, They already, I mean, when I go to the toilet and I don't have toilet paper anymore, I'm asking Alexa to order new when it doesn't matter what Mm -hmm. we do anymore. But they have such an integrated part in our daily life that um, at the end of the day, it's, it comes down to us individuals as well on um, what we, what we, what we actually, um, how we actually enable those platforms um, to stay in touch with us and use our data and gather data from us at the end of the day, there's there's two parts of it, right? One is the governmental part and one is the individual using those platforms. And I think you can not just say, I'm gonna go from the governmental side and the, the law side and dismantle those companies, break them up and the world will be a good place because at the end of the day, we still have the situation afterwards of having like a, a market um, where and look at Facebook. I mean, you can you can truly not tell me that uh, Facebook is is very different uh, to to a Tencent, for example. Everyone was saying, hey, uh, it will never happen in America that something like Tencent or WeChat, such ecosystems where you actually have like thousands of different services combined into one service, and this is like the, the monopole. And in China, it's possible because um, yeah, actually, it's like uh, state. Uh, actually the, the state allows it yeah and from law perspective that's fine over there everyone said like that's not happening in the us what's happening in the us we have facebook what did they bought they bought whatsapp which is like the biggest messenger they bought uh, instagram which is like um uh, still the biggest platform for sharing um short videos and uh pictures um so it's, it's already happening it's already and happened. actually
0: they did something worse now if you look at it because they just integrated all the areas they just yeah. integrated all the messengers all the users all together and all something together. that they said that they would not do and it was impossible i'm actually writing about that uh, right now
2: Right and uh, just I'm adding one more and we can add more and more and more if we talk longer about it. I mean uh, shopping, no Instagram shopping uh, is, uh, is 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 coming to its place. I mean I I think they corpora- I think they did a call. Co- uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, they do it together with Shopify. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean uh, shopping is another big part. I mean we will not only share uh, what's going on in our daily life but we will also use this platform to actually um, buy things so um, yeah it's happening more and more and more and more services integrated taking um, up more and more of our daily needs um, and fulfilling our daily needs so um, it's happening but in my opinion and this is, it's, everything is just a forecast because um, I as uh, in like in the stock market it's uh, it's, uh, I can only say what's happening right now and uh, take action on what's, what's happening right now because nobody knows what's happening in the future. Um, I can only say that uh, I believe that right now is the beginning of, um, of, of, of a more direct and a more aggressive approach. And this is what marked this day today, of, um of lawmakers um, having a closer look into the business practices of those uh, platforms. And at the end of the day, we also shouldn't forget, um, it's the business operations and the business models that help those companies gain this market share it's nothing else it's um, it's the business model that helped them to create um, such impressive margins such impressive revenue streams um, on uh, and, and and this is actually what, what 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 helps those companies gain more and more market share because with money comes more power and um, it is like that, and, and that they can, they can, and many of them did um, just bought uh, what became um, dangerous to them. And we saw that uh, we don't only see that um, to Facebook, we see that on the other platforms as well. We? Do you Perfect.
1: think,
0: and in... look, we have to start, we're getting to the limit of our time. So if you want a final question,
1: no, I think it's going too deep. Then I just wanted to ask if you think kind of taking a a fee for collecting data would be also a possible solution, how to, uh, because we were talking about the money they're earning just by harvesting our data and selling it to other people, that this would be an approach on how to kind of first get the people to know what is going on with the data and how much they're collecting, and on the other hand, um, to kind of just uh, reduce the amount of money they make just by harvesting our data so that i understand it correctly the that the platforms get charged for using the data i, I didn't really for, for, kind of for, for storing the data for example Just, for storing the
2: data that the yeah, companies for, get get charged for storing
1: the data yeah for harvesting it from us so for every megabyte uh, for example they need to kind of uh, or are charged for a couple of cents and because they collect a lot of it they have to Pay a uh, high fee in the end. Just but who do they pay it to? For instance, as taxes,
0: right? I
1: mean, this is this is the, the whole the whole tax question is. <laughs> we can
2: make a series of podcasts. Um, I think that this uh, things things go wrong in so many ways um, when we look at the tax situation. Um, but that's a very I, I I never I never thought about this. Uh, paying for data gathering or data storage uh, idea or model. Um, It's it's rather interesting because right now, what's happening right now, is that the the platforms um, earn money from the data and uh, use that money um, for operating those platforms and um, creating more products and services for users. Um, That's that's a very, uh, very, very interesting approach. I never never really thought about it. difficult for me now um in the podcast to say uh, if, if i think that's a good idea but it's a it's definitely an interesting approach i think what is what is what is definitely what definitely um what definitely needs to be also mentioned is when we talk about data the data that is being gathered from you and is being stored for you um is being stored and gathered um to create at those platforms Um, a certain value for you. So um, it helps not only on Facebook, for example, the advertiser to know that I would be interested in this particular pair of sneakers, but also it enhances the experience on the platform for me as a consumer as well, because I see a pair of sneakers that could be interesting for me. Um, and I'm not confronted with advertisement that is uh, not interesting to me. And the same happens on the Apple watch that um, gathers the data about my health status and tells me um, most probably in the future when I have problems um, with my blood oxygen level or whatever. So um, we also shouldn't always see the data as a problem, because the data enables this platform to develop services and tools for us as human beings that will enrich and enhance our life. But again, as I said in the beginning, there's always a flip side to it. Obviously, this data can be, um, obviously, first of all, we need to be educated, and we need to understand how this data is being um, gathered, used, and stored, very important. And uh, But on the other hand, we also have a right, in my opinion, to understand um, how this data is being used in the operations and how the companies actually um, yeah, create more value for themselves in terms of um, financial value um, from the data we provide to those platforms. So there's always a flip side. What can data do for me? And how does it enhance my experience? And on the other hand, how do the companies money with it that enables them to become as big as they are today and um this is everything but transparent but i think um we are in the process of um of uh yeah we're going through a phase of right now of um figuring that out and i'm very optimistic i, I in general have a very optimistic rather than pessimistic approach to life and try to understand things, how things work and how they affect my life and then i decide if i Try to use them more use them less and that's on an individual level i know but i think um optimistically that we are in a good process of um, understanding those companies better and better
0: yes and
2: it's also and, there. I and think... it's also it's also in there it is also uh it is also their goal at the end of the day right because um without the users and without the people using those platforms um those platforms not only can not only not create value anymore but those platforms um wouldn't exist so um, exactly. Like- people
0: have to understand, people have to understand that, um, that they are basically the final consumers. And if they don't right. take action, it's going to be very hard. While they right. start consuming, um, it's a little bit like in the drug war, like uh, addressing consumption or addressing uh, supply. So right. I think a little bit, there has to be like a strong education. Lucas, Absolutely. thank you so much. And Luca, thank you so much for, for your time. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, like you, you mentioned, this is like conversation for many, many podcasts. And I hope uh, we have um, the chance to, to repeat it and probably go a little bit more in depth into some of the topics that um, we, we saw today. And I want to thank also the production team um, at uh, Lead Sacks. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you so much, everyone. This was the Lead Sacks podcast, and it is produced by Marika Agelberg, Marius Boussin, Felipe Santiago Lopes, and David Bernardo Santo. We'll see you next week.